and we have a lot of great stories we help people out single moms you know people that are you know uh, handicapped you know ex-military you know we're glad to keep them in the house you know some people can't afford anything because they're just down there lots like okay stay in the house and you pay the taxes okay great let's live in there we'll make an arrangement with you to live there as long as you want when you die the house reverts back to the bank you know let's get an attorney to fill all that stuff out so they don't have to worry about anything From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part one in the two-part Start on a High Note series. In this episode, we're going to experience a day in the life hour by hour of Scott Carson, a real estate note investor and CEO at We Close Notes. So you can decide if this is a career that's right for you. He focuses on the niche market in real estate of buying non-performing or distressed mortgages from banks and hedge funds on residential commercial properties across the country. He's his own boss and has turned his company into a multi-million dollar business. Let's get right into the day. It's 7.30 on a Monday morning in Austin, Texas, and Scott is just waking up. He says hello to his significant other, jumps in the shower, gets stressed, and reads the news. On this particular day, like most days, Scott's to-do list is filled with a bunch of things. Everything from running his business to finding new opportunities to invest in to even working on marketing materials and educational curriculum for his webinars and workshops. Oh, and to top it all off, he also hosts his own podcast, The No Closer Show. So we'll get to experience all of this and more throughout this episode. Let's meet him and learn more about what he does. But before we do that, let's get some key terms out of the way. The first thing to know is that Scott is a real estate note investor. That means he invests in real estate debt, not actual real assets. He's not out there buying and flipping homes. He's buying mortgage notes from banks. When we refer to a mortgage note, that's talking about the loan that people take out from lenders like banks to buy a house or a piece of real estate. They make payments on that loan over a certain amount of time to pay it back. They also add some interest. A non-performing mortgage note is when borrowers stop making payments on their mortgage to the bank. The reasons that they stop making payments can vary, but from the bank's perspective, this becomes what they call bad debt. That's where Scott comes in. My name is Scott Carson. I am known across the country as the note guy. I am the CEO of WeCloseNotes.com, which is an Austin, Texas-based real estate investment and education company that I founded uh, a decade ago. And what we focus on in real estate is the niche of buying non-performing or distressed mortgages from banks and hedge funds on residential commercial properties across the country. So I've been an active real estate investor for almost 20 years, but been very focused in the last 10 years of buying this distressed debt that's happened up with a whole recession and, and the banking meltdown from 2008 to 2010. Let's define what a non-performing mortgage is. And the first thing I would tell people, if you've ever watched the movie, The Big Short, 
you know, with Christian Bale and uh, uh, Brad Pitt and Steve Carell. It's a great movie to watch. I'm, I do very similar to what they do. But what a, a mortgage is, is basically that's when somebody buys a house, they go out and get a bank loan. And that's a mortgage. Usually it's for 30 years. And they're paying monthly payments. on. And what I do is I buy mortgages where people have stopped paying for a variety of reasons, whether they've lost their job, they can't afford it. Um, they've gotten sick. They've had a death in the family. They've gone through a divorce. You know, there's a whole variety of reasons why people will stop paying. And each state in the country is a little bit different how fast you can, A, foreclose or boot somebody out of the house. So what we do is we buy that debt, what's owed from the bank, and we buy it since it's, it's non-performing where somebody's not paying on time or hasn't paid in a while at all, whether it's like three months or six years. Um, we buy that debt at a substantial discount from the bank, and then we become the bank. And then we, our goal, since we buy it at a discount, a huge discount, the, the property's still worth a, 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 you know, sizably more than what we bought the debt at. Our goal is to reach out to the homeowners and give them a second chance and say, listen, I know you've been through hell. You know, you, you had some financial hiccups along the way. You know, do you want to pay? I mean, do, I mean, do you want to stay? If you want to stay, then you got to pay. And we try to work out some sort of modification or payment plan, or sometimes we'll offer them up just cash for them to walk away if they can't afford it. So would would you ever, since you have that leg up, would you ever go in and, uh, I mean, you, you want to deal with notes and everything and buying the debt, but do you ever see an opportunity and you're like, oh, I'm going to go in and buy this foreclosure in a few months? Well, but the, that's the thing. We when we buy the debt, we have the we have the we really kind of control which way it goes. Got it. You Even, are the bank at that point, right? I, I'm the bank at that point. So yeah, sometimes we use it to take the property back, and then you know, like in Florida, I've done a lot of that where we've the borrowers just wanted to walk away, and I was like, that's fine. We'll take the property back and either sell it if it's in good condition, or put a little bit of work into it, and then just sell it as a traditional property. And since um, it's you're buying it at a discount, it's an up for you regardless. That's correct. That's correct. Exactly. Back to the day. So it's 8.30 and Scott is spending time reading in on industry and domestic news, as we mentioned before we got sidetracked with a vocab lesson. Like I'll jump on uh, USA Today, check out what's some news on there. ESPN.com is another one. But then I'll also jump over to uh, DSnews.com, DefaultServicingNews.com, HousingWire.com. Those are two uh, things that I check on a daily basis for any news in the industry things that I might be able to use in my podcast later that morning. You're looking for ideas mostly for content creation or are there any trends that you're specifically looking for? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both. So I look for content. I look for interesting subjects. Um, and like I'll give an example, South Carolina passed a law a while back that they suspended foreclosures overnight. The attorney general just stopped every foreclosure for six months. That's a big thing for me. Because now I just delay, it just delayed foreclosures in that state for six months. So it's something I need to know to keep up with to then reach out to my reach out to Hazel in New Jersey or reach out to uh, Madison Management, reach out to the senior law group, say, hey, I just saw this happen. What do we have that's in South Carolina that's going to drag on like that? Scott needs to be on top of these things because he's buying notes all across the country, 35 states in total. He most likely won't touch debt in New York, New Jersey, Chicago and California, to name a few for reasons we'll get into a little bit later. There are multiple exit strategies when it comes to investing in notes, one of them being foreclosing, which is Scott's least favorite because that process is different state to state, depending on if the state requires a judicial foreclosure or not. When the courts get involved, that's when the process takes a little longer, plus three to five grand at least more expensive to carry out. Now, in a non-judicial state, 
um, you don't have to do the court proceedings. You just got to file properly based on the state. Then when the foreclosure trial, you know, foreclosure um, date comes around, I'm then basically my attorney's then going to the local county and they have the foreclosures on usually the county steps and the, the person representing the county is called the crier. They're the ones that, you know, start the foreclosure, you know, start the foreclosure bidding and they, they get the, the you know, instructions from my attorney and my attorney's asking, hey, what do you want to foreclose on? How much do you want to make the opening bid? You know, we can only bid up to what we're owed on the property. So it's usually our opening bid and, and then go from there. But it's, it's foreclosure is usually foreclosure happens when a borrower is just non-responsive whatsoever. There's so many ways. It's my least favorite exit strategy. How often do, is foreclosure happen for your deal? So national average, if you're buying 10 notes, you're probably going to probably foreclose on a half. The other half are going to be split up between a, a, of getting them reinstated or modified. And then a, a quarter of them will probably just sign the property where you walk away. You mentioned that obviously foreclosure, that's not the exit strategy you want to go for. Can you sum up the different types of exit strategies in investing in notes? Yeah, so let's, there's basically 10 strategies to make sure I get them right. One is to get them to reinstate. Two is to modify the loan of some sort if they won't can't reinstate. Three is to do a, uh, let them have somebody come and take over the payments, like a, a loan assumption, maybe have their, their family members or a neighbor take over the house, take over the payments, then we can let them assume the loan. Four is to do a short sale where we let them sell the house and you know we sell it below what's owed and we just accept the loss off what's owed. Yeah, usually we're making money, you know, and we bought the loan for less than what they're selling, of course, so we still make money that way. Uh, five is a deed in lieu or cash for keys. That's where we take a deed in lieu of foreclosing. Basically, they sign the property over and give the property and the keys back to us. I could sell the note if it's if I really want just performing notes and I buy a portfolio and I know I'm going to foreclose on a chunk of them. I could just sell those off to somebody local, a local investor and just, you know, sell the note. Uh, I can wholesale the note, which is an exit strategy a lot of people get started in, where they just get the note under contract at a nice price, and then they sell that contract to somebody like me, and they make a quick, you know, a bird dog or finder's fee for whether it's 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks for a wholesale fee. Um, and then there's, um, trying to remember here, uh, you could foreclose. Obviously, that's our least favorite. And then um, to resell the note, like I said, if if uh, it gets reperforming. After a while, then we could resell that note off after they made payments on time for six to 12 months. I think that's everything. Oh, a cash payoff, which happens from time to time as well. And when you when the the last or second to last scenario, when you sell it, are you selling it back to a bank or are you selling it to another investor like you? Bo both. I mean, I we've sold it to both uh, other banks that are buying stuff, other investors like myself, uh, other Wall Street hedge funds that want stuff that they want performing de debt as well. So. Back to the day. It's now 9 a.m. and Scott is rolling into the office with his workout gear on. No stuffy suit for Scott Carson. He meets with his team and goes over what needs to be done for the day before 10 a.m. when he starts recording for his podcast episode. Can you talk about what you put out today? Yeah, I, I uh, put out an interview with my buddy Steve Olsher who runs a, a thing called New Media Summit. He's a podcaster and he has had an event that I spoke at. We did really well to add some guests to my thing. To my, to my show and, and some other great relationships. So I had him on to talk about uh, his upcoming event, some of the struggles that he's dealt with, about his book. You know, we just shared some content. You know, so it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a mixture of uh, guests and a mixture of content. Like tomorrow, we'll do the best, hashed, best hashtags for note investors. So I, I try to have a, you know, a calendar going of seven to the 14 days, but that's in the morning. 
after I finish the show, then I may look at my email at 11 o'clock. Between 11 and 12, it's like commenting on the, the, the podcast comments on Facebook. It's uploading the video so that my podcast team can get that rocking and rolling. It takes them about you know five to six days to get turned around, which is fine. Um, then it's also communicating with investors during that time. A lot of times, you know, Hey, making sure like my staff, like if I need an update on six assets that Hazel's pulling that and send it to me either the night before, or, and then I can forward that on to the investors. Here's where we're at. Here's where we're going. Here's the time frame. Um, I'm checking with Steph, uh, my VP of operations for anything that needs to get paid that day. If there's an outstanding invoice or something like, Hey, can we make sure this gets taken care of. Or I'm, I'm prepping her usually Monday or Tuesday for what needs to get funded on Friday. Like, hey, there's going to be a wire coming in from an investor. This much is going to need to go to this asset. Here's the wire instructions and try to make sure that she has that by Monday for a Friday closing, just in case there's any delays. But uh, yeah, it's, it's you know 11 to 12. I may I'll start looking at some emails as well. You know, if there's anything that's relevant. Uh, I'm a big believer in cleaning, getting rid of anything that's spam. So I unsubscribe from a lot of stuff. What different projects I have, like I have different workshops. I use Basecamp.com. It's a great like uh, portal, uh, like a message board. So I'll ch check that. There's like I got a class this weekend. I got 125 students that are gonna be in it. And so I'll post an update like, okay, hey, here's the link you'll need for Saturday, Sunday. And here's the itinerary. And you know, if they ask a question, then I'll respond to those questions usually between 11 and 12. And then, um, you know, I'll make a few phone calls in the morning to people on the East Coast as it hits their lunch break time. And then uh, usually then I'm, I'm rolling out of the office here at noon, 12.01 with my medicine ball that I usually sit on and, uh, you know, my shaker with ice water so I can walk down the hallway and uh, meet my trainer waiting at the door for me at noon. You say lunch meetings, they waste time. Yep. Did you, is that something you learned through trial and error? Like you used to have lunch meetings and you just realized that one day, hey, I, I yeah, hate this. Yeah, totally agree, dude. So here's one thing. It kind of it goes with a, my, nobody's going to value your time until you value your time. All right. So that was the most, one of the most, it's like I would go on meetings and I'd, okay, drive 20 minutes to go get to the restaurant. You know, most of the time people are running late anyway. So it takes you a half hour. There's never a half hour lunch for the most part. It's always an hour lunch or more. Then you got another 20 minute commute back. So now you lost two hours of your day that you, you're not going to get back. Okay. So then you're behind the eight ball. And usually I have found that most hour lunches can be condensed into a five to 15 minute phone call. You know, and, and I have a lot of people, oh, we want to press the palms. Like, listen, no offense. I don't want to press your freaking palm. I want you to give me the direct value. My, my time is more valuable. You know, I value my time at a thousand bucks an hour. So that's one thing as I, it used not to be a thousand, it used to be 200 bucks and you know, it's moved it to $500 an hour. But that's, if you want to make a million bucks a year and only work 40 hours a week, you got to figure out what that hour's worth and do the most, pro, do the most productive thing at any given moment. And so wasting two hours to go to a lunch appointment didn't make sense to me at that point when I could have them come to my office, have a cup of coffee, be in and out in 15 to 30 minutes. Great. Awesome. Okay. Another thing about four years ago, I started having back problems and I was like, well, listen, I need to make health a priority for me. I don't want to go early in the morning. I'm not a morning person when it comes to seven o'clock workouts or 6 a.m. At night, I didn't have the energy. So I was like, midday, let's just do this from 12 to one. And that's my time now for the last three and a half, four years. So people know that if they call me at noon, I'm in the gym. I'll call you back at when I get out at one o'clock when I go get my smoothie.
It's now one o'clock and Scott heads home, showers, and heads back to the office at two. From two to four to five p.m.-ish is a very productive time for Scott to focus on phone calls. On these phone calls, he's talking with his students from his workshop, his vendors on selling or closing notes, and his staff looking through deals that sparks an interest with him. You're scheduling 30-minute calls with your students. Yep. Um, what do these calls look like or sound it's like? A, it's a good question. It's, it's a variety of things. So like I... Um, since we have a coaching program and we have classes, I will give everybody 30 minutes to talk to anybody wants to talk to me for 30 minutes about anything. I'm fine with that as long as it's scheduled. Okay. So we get a lot of students that are calling, they're working through a deal. Like today I had a guy call me, he's in Dayton. He's got a guy that's got, uh, 40, uh, free and clear properties, trying to pull some money out. So we spent 30 minutes structuring the deal so he can make like 20 grand on the deal. I had another call, you know, with another student out of uh, Michigan. She's trying to put her marketing together. And so we spent 30 minutes kind of giving her a game plan for marketing for the next 90 days. You know, if uh, the call ends a little bit early, I'll spend, you know, the 15 or 20 minutes between calls, answering emails. You know, um, I do, I hate paperwork. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I hate paperwork. I don't even have a printer in my office, in my office. My printer's in Shannon's office. So if I need something printed, I forward it to her. I'm like, hey, I need this printed. Bring it into me at five o'clock and I'll sign it or six o'clock and sign it this is the last part of the day. So that's, that's what I do. I don't, I mean, I got mail in my office here that I need to go through and stuff like that. So I'll look at that while I'm, um, you know, waiting for a call and I got some stuff. Otherwise it's a lot of it's junk mail. It gets thrown away. So, you know, I'm just, I just try to deliver a lot of value in those between two and five if I can. How much time do you spend just looking through deals throughout the week? Usually I'll start, I'll start getting lists in on Tuesday. A lot of our banks will send us stuff on Tuesday. Uh, like I'll have an email that goes out um, to our bankers. We have the first Tuesday of the month, we have an email that goes out automatically to them. And it's, it's pre-written like 12 months out. Like I've already got a year of asset manager emails that go out to 5,000 asset managers and it's written differently. So the first Tuesday it goes out to them. Hey, what do you have on your books this month? Yeah. You know, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great time. What are you trying to end? Get off your books for the end of the year. So we send that out Tuesday, so that Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday, they'll send us a list usually, okay? And then Thursday, we send the same email. Like if I have the email go out at 11 o'clock on Tuesday, we have another email that goes out Thursday at 2 o'clock to those that didn't open the first email. And so while we'll get 12 to 15% open rates on the first round of email, just sending that same email out gives us another 6 to 10% open rates to people that didn't see it first thing in the morning. So... We're getting listed by Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoons between two and five. We'll spend the time uh, working through the deals, you know, looking at the list. Does this make sense? No. Okay. And that's Just when you kill. filter out everything. Yeah, and go through. exactly. Okay. When we buy a note, we send out letters usually within the first two weeks to the borrower and say, okay, hey, uh, thank you for not paying ABC Bank, but you now have to pay us. Okay. And ABC Bank is sending out a letter and saying, okay, um, you, you you didn't have to pay us, but now you've got to, now you cannot pay Scott Carson. You know, kind of that letter. It's a hello, goodbye letter. Hello, John. Goodbye, John. And once we get that letter, then we really start reaching out to the homeowner. It's it's called Right Party Contact, RPC. It's trying to get the homeowner on the phone. We'll send a door knocker out to knock on the, do you know, the door and try to call them up their work. Just try to track them down. You know, I, I kind of could compare to being like Sherlock Holmes, trying to track down where they're located. Okay. And if so we get them on the phone, that's what we want. Hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay or do you want to go? You know, let's, if you want to stay, let's figure out some sort of payment arrangements. And then they've got to follow through those payment arrangements. Now, if they don't follow through, then we just, we then say, this is not going to work. We 
you know, reach, uh, forward the file to our attorney. And then our attorney basically handles, you know, they're sending the letters out and they're saying, okay, we're starting the acceleration. We're starting the foreclosure proceedings. And, and then we go from there. Scott and his team don't stop there. They'll put on their detective hats and lurk social media sites to see what's going on with the borrowers. They had one lady who posted on Facebook that she deliberately chose to go to Disneyland instead of using that money to pay for her mortgage. So Scott will screenshot things like that to keep it on record and file it in the loan file. Scott's goal is to help the borrower stay in the house as long as it makes sense and the borrower agrees to pay on time. The reason he's so lenient is because he can empathize, because he's been in that situation before where he couldn't pay his mortgage. We'll get a little bit more into that in part two of this series. An example of how Scott works with a borrower who is struggling to make payments is... We got, we, I bought one note where I got the loan file. And the borrower had been trying to do a loan modification for four years. And what was funny is, what was really funny, they've been trying to do it for four years and their loan had been sold like five times. And so when we bought the note, we called the, the borrower up and she just, you'd hear on the phone, she's just like, oh, I'm like, whoa, 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 don't worry about it. I know that you've really been working on this. You've lived in the house for 18 years. I see that you refinance, pull some cash out. I can see on your notes in the file that your husband had a heart attack. Let's keep you in the house. Can you start making your existing payment? She's like, yes. I said, okay, can you do that? Uh, can you pay a little bit extra? Can you bring like five grand to the table to help us cover our, our you know, attorney fees and things like that to keep you in the house since you haven't paid in four years? She's like, yeah, I can do that. I can bring $2,500 now and $2,500 over like the next five months. I'm like, that's perfect. I said, we're gonna reinstate you. As long as you pay on time for 12 months, we're gonna drop your interest rate from seven and a half percent down to zero. That way you'll have that every penny you pay will get goes towards the principal balance instead of that you won't pay any interest on the loan. And now instead of you being taking you 25 years to pay the mortgage off, you'll be paid off in six and a half. And it was just, you know, life shattering for her. We forgave a bunch of debt too. My attorney told me that when she signed, her and her husband showed up the, their offices to sign the modification papers, both, both, both of them broke down crying. And about six months later, I get a, a, a letter in the mail and uh, she'd raised her three kids in the house and she, her oldest daughter was having a baby and they named the baby Carson after me, which is kind of <gasps> funny. Stop oh, it. That's no, is so I, sweet. Yeah. So there's great things like that. You know, when, we, when somebody, and we have a lot of great stories, we help people out. Single moms, you know, people that are, you know, uh, handicapped, you know, ex-military, you know, we're glad to keep them in the house. You know, some people can't afford anything because they're just down their luck. It's like, okay, stay in the house and you pay the taxes. Okay, great. Let's live in there. We'll make an arrangement with you. Let's live in there as long as you want. When you die, the house reverts back to the bank. You know, let's get an attorney to fill all that stuff out so they don't have to worry about anything. 6 p.m. You mentioned you mentioned that if you needed something signed, you send it over. She brings it to you at the end of the day. What are some regular documents that you're constantly autographing? You Every week, I'm usually signing on selling a property. So I'm filling out the, uh, the sale part of a contract or I'm signing off on uh, closing documents for a property that need to be notarized. So either Steph will notarize it or Shannon will notarize it because they're not on the LLC or I'll have the front desk lady notarize it before she leaves at 5.30. So it's sales contracts, a lot of times like that, closing documents, you know, um, documents to attorneys. I got to sign off on loan modifications to our borrowers. That comes in, then Shannon goes and scans it and sends that over. Other contracts that we're signing, you know, we get legal stuff here because we get stuff in from borrowers that may sue us or try to sue us. So I'm responding to that and we're forwarding that to attorneys. Yeah, that happens. 
Uh, if you're in real estate, I'll tell you this, if you're in real estate, it's, it's not when you're going to, or if you're going to be sued at some point, it's when, I'll tell you this. So we get sued eh, probably once a month, but most of it gets kicked out because it's fraudulent on their part or it doesn't hold water. You know, we'll make an arrangement. It's like, listen, you, you, you're not going to win this. You know, you're not going to keep your hope, your house because you didn't do these things. So let's move on from that. So that's why I talk to my attorneys on a regular basis. Oh, uh, also, I meant for, forgot to mention we have an accountant that comes in and hangs out usually one day a month in the office or is downloading our our, uh, our stuff off of Wells Fargo and the QuickBooks. And so usually she sends me a list of items that I check off at the end of the day to tell her what, you know, what they're for, what property they're associated with. And she knows what, what everything else is. It's 7 p.m. and Scott is hosting a free weekly webinar on the niche topic of note investing. We've actually been branded now as Note Night in America. <laughs> we try to make sure we're done before halftime of the NFL game. Otherwise, we lose people. Um, and then I do another coaching call to different student segments on Wednesdays. But yeah, I open it up. We'll have, you know, we'll get uh, two to four, two to 500 people registered for the webinar. We live stream it as well. And we'll get another 200 to 500 people that watch it on Facebook Live as well. And we go through a different thing. Like, what did I discuss this week? I discussed, oh, um, since it was Monday night, Cyber Monday hacks. So I came up, I, I, I pulled five little technology things to help people. Like uh, LinkedIn just made an announcement on Thanksgiving that you can no longer export email addresses when you export your contacts on LinkedIn. So I went out and found a uh, software that will kind of help you with it, help people scrape their LinkedIn profiles to pull that data. We talked about uh, another software like repurpose.io, if they're going to do use video or do a Facebook Live, it'll automatically share it to YouTube. We talked about LiveLeap as another software form. So it was just, it was content for an hour and a half on things that would either A, save them time or save them money or both. Scott is in the office until about 9 p.m. on Monday, signing off on the webinar and tying up any loose ends at the office. At the end of the day, you're, you're home. What do you do yep. uh, to decompress? Good question. So um, I'm, I'm very spoiled that I have, a, I don't have an hour long commute in traffic anymore. Like I've done before. God bless like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I used to spend an, Austin's a great city, but the traffic sucks. So we are very blessed that our, oh, we have an Alamo draft house. That's like a half mile from here. Our grocery stores right in the same parking lot. The gym, if I want to go to the gym, I can go, it's right across the street. So I go home and usually we, we'll, you know, about two nights a week, we'll go catch a movie, you know, at six or seven, or we'll go out. Uh, with friends occasionally we're big into the art so oftentimes if it's not a bad night we'll make a, a trip downtown to austin to sixth street for either the ballet or a show or uh, catch up with some friends occasionally but uh, i like to get home relax a little bit and we go to the movie or we'll go do something fun we've got three cats it's like okay let's see what the, what the crazy cats are up to and then uh yeah just you know figuring out, hey what's going on talking with staff making sure we can reconnect So you just experienced a day in the life of a real estate note investor, but how does one actually become a note investor? In part two of the Starting on a High Note series, join us as we go through Scott's career journey and experiences leading up to where he is today. He wanted to be the next Dan Patrick from SportsCenter, so he majored in communications originally until he switched gears and studied business. After some tough times financially and personally, Divine Intervention stepped in and launched the successful note investing business he has today. Stay tuned. 
At Experience a Day in the Life, we're building an online library of content all focused on a diddle or a day in the life of different jobs and professions across the world in all different industries. So if you want to share your a diddle, you can do so at xadiddle.com slash share dash my dash a diddle. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot com slash share dash my dash a-d-i-t-l. Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at exadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Poe and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.